Continue with uh, the message I started. Actually, this is going to be the seventh uh, message of this series that we uh, title The Saints of Jesus. The Saints of Jesus. Saints of Jesus. And uh, we're drawing this. Jesus had a lot of saints in the Word of God. But we're drawing this from what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, concluding his message that started in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 6 and then uh, chapter 7. He says, everyone who hears the sayings of mine, and we need to understand his sayings are not laws, you know, like commandments to obey. His sayings are spiritual principles that will bring blessings into our lives. When you read the scriptures, some people read scriptures just to gain knowledge. That's not what we're after. You need to gain knowledge. That's okay, but gain spiritual principles to live by because it's the spiritual principles that will make you. That's what's, going to be, that's what's going to separate you from everybody else, including Christians who are together with you in church. Many times you see people who are in church together. They were saved together. They read the Bible together, go to church about the same time, but some of them are so particular about you know, the, detail, the details of what Scripture says, looking for principles. And it's principles from God's Word, and you really can't know the principles without knowing the detail, but draw principles to live by, something to live by. Jesus said, if you do these things of mine, I will liken you to a wise person who built his house on the rock. And if you know of the rock in the wilderness... The rock was Jesus, followed the, Jesus, the Bible tells us that, and that rock followed them everywhere they went in the wilderness. The rock provided for them, gave them water when they were thirsty. The rock was with them. So it's the rock that we need. So we're coming to the ninth thing of the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ and coming in from, going from chapter 5 into chapter 6. And this, the ninth thing I titled, do not care what or whether or not people notice. That's the way I titled this. Do not care whether or not people notice. There are three things in this passage that Jesus wants us to do on a regular basis. I need to stop and I need to pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will speak more than I can speak this morning into the hearts of your people so that our lives can be transformed from glory to glory. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. You are the Holy Spirit. And we thank you and welcome your presence. You are the teacher. And we receive from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So do not care whether or not people notice. Whether they notice or not, it's not your business. You just don't care. Now, this is an attitude of the heart. This is an attitude of the heart. Many times you walk around and see Christians who are so discouraged because they believe that they've been doing certain things in the church and nobody noticed. Pastor didn't say you're doing a wonderful job. They're doing it for men. They're doing it for people to notice. And if you fall into that category... Most of the time, you'll get somebody, if you really work hard on it, 
People will tell you, oh, you're doing so good, so we see what you're doing. And, but according to the word of God, that is all you get. So just enjoy what you, people can deliver to you. But Jesus is saying, these three things that I want you to do, every Christian should do this in the, on a regular basis. If you do these things, these things will bring help, constant help from heaven into your life. You see, promotion does not come from the east or the west, the Bible tells us, or from the south. Promotion comes from God and God alone. It is God that is going to promote you. If people promote you, they'll bring you down themselves. But if God promotes you, no one can bring you down. So Jesus is saying, don't do it for people. Don't do these things because these are such, such powerful spiritual principles. You don't need to worry about what people think. They may say well about what you're doing. They may not say well about what you're saying, doing. It doesn't really matter. Now, these things are so special because if you do them and people notice, what they will conclude is that you are spiritual. You are a spiritual person. You have some kind of connection with God that is solid. They will see that in you and they will you know, lift you up in your mind because of what you're doing. But you get that. Whether you like it or not, they will see it. But if your heart is doing whatever you're doing so that people will notice, God said, that's where your reward stops. And when you feel compelled to draw people's attention to what you're doing, that's all you get. They don't see it. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus calls you a name. That's the bad part. He calls you a hypocrite. Because you're not going to get anything more than what you get from what people deliver to you. But if you really want the true blessing of these things, the things that Jesus said will bring blessings into our lives, reward from heaven, if you really want to do that, have a heart attitude that says, I don't care whether they notice or not, I'm going to do this because God told me to do this. And when you do that, you can never miss out on your reward. These three things Jesus said to do in secret. First one is charitable deeds. Charitable deeds. You know, sometimes we think, okay, that's this person's ministry. They go around, and, and that's the way of things work in Christian, among Christians. Uh, somebody gets into one particular gifting or something that God, and that becomes the whole thing that they do, and they, you can identify them by that. Now, some people get into these charitable deeds and all they want to do is raise money to give to people. And they do it and it's a good thing. But sometimes they do that in exclusion of the preaching of the gospel. They don't preach to the people. They just build them houses, do good things, and it's okay. And that, that will really, the purpose of that is really to soften the people towards the gospel so that they can be pointed to the cross. But sometimes people do all that and then that's, the way, that's all they do. But... For us as Christians, you, God expects you to do charitable deeds regularly. He expects you to do it. And we'll tell you why God expects you to do it. He expects you to do that. We don't do charitable deeds to make God love us more. He already loves you. He loves you so much, He gave His Son. He said, you're worth it. He gave His Son on the cross. The Son died for you. There's nothing more. 
And if you read in the scriptures, Jesus did charitable deeds. You don't really find it much. Jesus was into this big time. He preached, he healed, he did all of that. But if you are a son of God, he was the son of God. God expects you from time to time to do charitable deeds. He will bring these things into your attention. You don't have to go chasing for them. You can do that, look for needs, and try to meet them. That's good. And God will reward you for them. But as a Christian, God expects you to do charitable deeds regularly. And Jesus, because he was a man, he did that regularly. If you read through the scriptures because he says, do this in secret, you don't immediately see that Jesus was practicing this thing. He was already loved by the Father. He didn't have to do it to earn more love from the Father. When he was baptized, the Father couldn't help himself. He had to speak from heaven so everyone around could hear his voice. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He, he was so excited, he spoke it out. But Jesus, even though he knew there was nothing more to do to make the Father love him more, he was practicing this as a man. As a man, especially as a child of God, God expects you to practice this. Let me read this scripture to you. John chapter 13, verse two, uh, 27 uh, through 29. Kind of a, a sorrowful situation, but you can pick from it the kind of person Jesus was. Now this is what it says. Now after the, uh, the piece of bread, that's after Judas took the piece of bread, Satan entered into Judas, entered into him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said, to, to, uh, said this to him. For some thought, you know, Jesus said something openly out loud. They heard him speaking to Judas. So they were thinking, okay, what is he telling him to do? What you're doing, do quickly. What is this supposed to be? We were not into what's happened between you and Judas. What are you talking about? But they had to think about, you know, draw their conclusion as to what Jesus was asking him to do. So he says, some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast. There was a feast of Passover coming close and Jesus possibly in that time, Jesus will tell them, okay, Judas, you and the rest go and prepare for the feast. And they thought this was one, one other occasion because the feast is coming. Jesus was asking him to go do that. Or that he should give something to the poor. So that was the only two options they had. He said that Jesus is asking him to prepare for the feast. Or Jesus is telling him to go and give something to the poor. That must have been a regular thing because... They understood without anybody saying that Jesus was doing the same. Oh, here he goes. He's doing the same thing again. He's giving money to the poor. But notice, this is the Son of God. We don't think about it. Jesus was in ministry. He wasn't working any other job at the ministry job. And people were giving to him, not only to support himself and the, the, his disciples, all of them, but the ministry as well. So Jesus was using what was given to him. He takes out of it on a regular basis. We don't see that in any part of the scripture. He's giving out to the poor. Why? Because that's the way God wants it to be. You have to do this. And he being the son of God knew he had to do this. He's a spiritual principle. Jesus knew that this is the way to have more. He told us in his word, give and it shall be 
given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Luke 6 verse 38. That's what it is. And so Jesus knew he had to support as a man. Many times we, we put it, oh, that was the son of God. So we, we exclude ourselves. But Jesus is saying, the scripture is saying, as he is, so are we, what? In this present world. That's just like Jesus. We are like him. So he was a man, born, born again, if you want, spirit-filled man. But he knew that if man on the earth, the way to support yourself and support all of these disciples, feed all of them because they're no longer working but following him around, and support the ministry and the campaign as they walk from place to place, the way to do it is to constantly give. He practiced what he was saying and he was working. He had enough to the point where Judas was stealing from it and nobody was aware of it. Nobody cared because they had in abundance. They had in abundance. This is a spiritual principle that God has set in place. So why do we do, why should we do charitable deeds? It's because this is the only way God has set, one of the ways God has set apart for us to give him the legal right to, for him to be able to do what he loves to do. Bless his children. That's all. We, if we don't do this, we haven't given him the right. He wants to bless us. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's not like you are just losing out of life. His things get better for your life. And you get well and everything is right with your life. But the way to do it is you give and it shall be given to you. So Jesus knew as a man, he had to give. That gave God the legal right to supply his needs. He didn't have to pray for any need. They gave. Because he was operating the principle. Amen. So when you do this, you give God the legal right to be able to come into your life and bless you. And that's what he really wants to do. You, God can save the whole world, right? But everybody is not saved. Until you give him the legal right to come into your life and save you, you are not saved. You have to ask him into your life, right? That's salvation, as big as that is. But your finances and everything, he, this is the way God has put it. You do charitable deeds. He wants you to do it regularly so that your life is constantly blessed. When you have a need and you are hurting, that's not the time to hold back. And I feel so free with our church because you don't have to give to our offering. I say it very often because I'm not even looking at you to you. I'm looking to him. And our church, we do that. We practice it so that God can give to our church. One time we had to give $10,000 to another ministry so that God can sustain us. But it wasn't too long. The money would keep coming back in. We run the church that way. We give to support a lot of different ministries because we know if we don't do that, we'll dry and wither, wither away. That's the way to do it. That's for the church. But do this for your own life as well. This is a principle that God has put aside for every one of us. And if, you, if God gives you understanding, get excited and say, yeah, this is the way I'm going to live. Because see, the Bible is clear about this. He didn't say you live by your work, by your labor. You live by your giving. Give, you are prospered by your giving, not by your labor. Give and it shall be given unto you. 
Right? He said, man will give to you. And you will have in abundance. That's what he said. So this is a principle to follow. And if you're not following, it's because you're afraid. Fear. If I give out, what would I have left? Well, you operate under fear. And fear is sin. And God cannot bless him. The question is not if you do charitable deeds. Jesus said when you do it. He assumes you will. You are a child of God, you should. You have no choice about it. Unless you want to dry up and wither away. You know, I've shared this here before. Um, when my wife had lost uh, one job and... and uh, started another job on her own to be on her own i mean for the first few maybe a month or two he was dry i mean there was nothing nothing you know both her and myself would go there from morning till night and come back we haven't seen one person i went out trying to draw people to the business you know <laughs> we have this year angela remember that we have this year please i put stuff on their cars we got this great nurse over here please come they won't show up from morning to night, but we're still playing, paying bills. And in that situation, we went to, uh, to uh, I believe it was Colorado. We have an a, a AG general conference, what do you call it, cancel, general cancel. And, uh, and uh, Angela was back there, and Oral Robert was with Beanie Hinn. Beanie was going to uh, India to preach and needed a lot of money. He needed millions. And Oral came and said, because he says he, he Oral understood the, that, that uh, principle. He said, I came with my thousand dollars to sow to this work. And Angela was home because I had gone to be with the pastors in our meeting. And Angela, when I got back, Angela told me she made a pledge to pay to give one thousand dollars. Now things was <laughs> things were really hard. But thousand dollars, yes. I'm glad I wasn't in the room, no argument, no. <laughs> but things changed right after that. Not what we thought was going to be the source. The source came from another angle where we, didn't, we had no idea that was coming. That's the way God works. You know, you, your charitable deed will never go unrewarded. Never. Never. You just have to choose where from what source you want the reward that's it we got only two if you do it right you have to understand there is a god and these principles work if you do it right it may not come to you the next day but i guarantee uh, if, as long as this earth is still here you will receive the reward if you do it the wrong way you get the glory from men but if you do it right certainly in due time god will reward you for it even unbelievers get rewarded for it. If they don't care, they just want to help. They get blessed. And some of them learn it so well, they don't understand it. They learn it so well, they, they're looking for people to tell them where to put the money. Because they know when they send it out, it comes in. You know, the pastor that sent us to start our church here, uh, I'm not sure how he felt when he was sending us out because he had uh, some very powerful people in the church living to come with, <laughs> with us. <laughs> and I'm not sure how he felt.
But later he told me, you know, he told us in the meeting, he said, you know, I quickly learned. Every time I send the people away to start a new church, the people double. So he was looking for who wants to go. <laughs> he got excited about it and, he, and was able to minister to us from not the, point, not the viewpoint of I'm losing some people. He didn't care anymore. And because God was not only promoting, grow, growing his church, God was making him known around the nation. Can you believe that? God was making him known around the nation. People were calling from everywhere. Tell us how you send those people out. And they'll give him an offering. Amen? So he got excited about it. Amen. When you do something like that, out of a good heart, to minister to people, he comes right back to you. It's always when, not if. God has called us to do that. So that's the first thing that we must do to receive from our God. The second thing, which when you do it, people will, if, if people know about it, they consider, especially if you're consistent, they consider you a spiritual man. So, but if you're doing those things so people can consider you a spiritual man and you, you, you constantly want to, wanting to draw people to your attention to what you're doing, you already got your reward. They will feel good about you, but that's where you stop. That's all you earn. And really, it's an attitude of the heart. You know, you have to tell the Lord, God, please help me. I want to do this right. Amen? Because, you know, no man knows his own heart. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask God, God, please help me. I love to do this, but I want you to keep my heart right. I don't want to do it for anybody. So whether people notice, whether they call some of that person a prayer warrior, and they, they, you know, they call that person a prayer warrior, they have not seen the real prayer warrior. I am here. Many times in the church, what we have is uh, prayer, prayer warriors. Worry, warrior. <laughs> we don't, many times they pray, but it's just all worry. Jesus expects you as a Christian to always spend some time praying. It's supposed to be a part of your life, a regular practice, just like charitable giving. It has to be a regular part of your life because God has set this aside so he can bless you. It's not if you pray, but when you pray. You have to pray. It has to become a part of your life. It's so easy to develop a habit. Bad habits are really easier. <laughs> it's very easy. And probably you won't even know you've developed a bad habit until somebody draws attention to it. And you can develop a good habit. Just a, a, a habit to pray. If you do it consistently for six weeks, most likely it stays with you. And when you don't do it, you miss it. And it's no longer whether people know about it anymore. It's just something you like to do. You enjoy it. Check the scriptures out. In Matthew 6, 5 through 6. He says, and when you pray, not if you pray, when 
You ought to pray. When you pray, God assumes you will pray. So when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. You know, hypocrites love to pray. Hypocrites love to pray. They love to pray. They don't pray when there's no one around. They just love to pray when there's people to notice they're praying. As soon as they know somebody's going to know, they're praying. You can't live your Christian life that way. You just can't live your Christian life that way. Because no, you're deceiving yourself. You get rewards from people because they will say, it's a prayer warrior. <laughs> I hear the term prayer warrior all the time. And I wonder what do they mean by this term prayer warrior. I mean, I'm not trying to disabuse the word is okay. But all Christians should be prayer warriors. All of them. I'm a prayer warrior. So what does that mean? The other fellow, why is he not a prayer warrior? Everyone should be. Everyone should be. Because Jesus wants every one of us to pray. The minimum Jesus is asking for, and you take note about this, of this. The minimum Jesus is asking for all, from us, whenever. How many hours do you pray? One hour. Because he wants the channel open so he can bless you. But in the United States, we are so busy. And we're not even ashamed to say that. I, 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 to say it from my mouth, I'm so busy I don't even have time to pray. Why can you say something like that? You are not that busy that you don't eat. You eat. You're not that busy that you refuse to breathe. You have to understand, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. You, that's your food, but your breath is really your prayer. You won't survive without breathing. You can eat all the food you want, but if you don't breathe, it's not going to help you. It's your prayer that strengthens the word, that the food that you eat, and puts it into your body. And makes the food that you eat a part of you, because you're breathing. The Bible is clear about this. Praying. You know, so most Christians, their prayer life is around crisis. They only pray when they have crisis. So every time they have crisis, then they'll pray. And God recognizes that the only time they pray is when they have crisis. So he gives them a lot of crisis so they can pray. I don't really know about that, but I'm just thinking that way. Okay, I really don't know. But that's the only time they pray, when they have crisis. And usually when they have a problem, what they do is they will talk to everybody first, talk to the doctor, try to find out these people are living by the flesh. They're depending on what can be done in the natural. The only time they remember God is when the doctor looks straight into their eyes and says, Sir or ma'am, we've done everything that we know to do in our, you know, according to our training. 
and uh, we can help you. From what we know in our training, you probably have uh, one month to leave. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, then they will call. Please, brother, you all be praying. And they're praying. God expects you to pray constantly. You know, for those of us that can pray in the Holy Spirit, you don't know the advantage you have. You don't know, you know, these days, the Pentecostal movement is is a given. You should know that. But when you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit prays through you, great things happen. You pray ahead of your life. You pray about situations in the future that you don't have any knowledge of today. You pray for your children and the things that they will encounter in the future that you don't know anything about today and also you strengthen your life you beloved he says but you beloved building up yourself in your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost so prayer helps to help you assimilate the word and the word builds faith in you so that you are strong but if you just eat the word without faith without prayer you can't be strengthened but the power of it is so important please turn with me to romans Chapter 8. So you understand this thing. That's why Jesus said, when you pray. I don't, he said, I want to help you, my children. I want to help you. It's not if you pray, but when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray. Don't do it that way. Do it my way and believe me, you will receive your reward. There is a reward. God's going to bless you. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. So we have some weaknesses. How many want the Holy Spirit to help your weakness? Can put me in that number. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. What kind of weakness? For the reason, because we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. It's not like we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to pray for as we ought to know. Because we're human. That's our weakness. I don't know what my, my children are going to encounter tomorrow. I don't know what, what the enemy is cooking for my life next week. You don't know what kind of bill is going to be coming in the mail next week. How do you know that? But the Holy that's because of our weakness. We are limited because we are flesh and blood. But the Holy Spirit is not limited. He will pray for those things ahead of time. He helps in our weakness. But we have to be praying. Have, have, how many of you have seen the Holy Ghost in a corner praying by himself? Have you seen him doing that? Some noise coming from a corner and you turn around and you say, Brother, what's that noise? He says, the Holy Ghost. I will take off from that church immediately. I'm out. You know? But the Holy Ghost prays through us. And He helps our weakness. But if you don't have a prayer life, how is the Holy Ghost going to help your weakness? So you remain weak. And your troubles multiply. That's the wrong place. I wanted to say amen, but I said that's the wrong place to say amen. Your problems are not going to be multiplied. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, capital H, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit because he makes the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many want the will of God to be done in your life? Now, you have to know this. God's will will not deprive you of anything. It will only add into your life. God's will will never deprive any man of anything that's good. God will only add to your life. So we must have that prayer life with God. In Luke chapter 18 verse 1, he says, He spoke a parable to them that men, women also, always ought to pray. If you are a man, you ought to pray. I used to be really bothered when I was a new Christian because I, there's no way I can, I, I have not been, I, I couldn't do a prayer of me. I prayed through the night. I knew Jesus will pray all night. You've read that in the scriptures? I used to wonder, boy, this is serious. This is the Son of God. What was he looking for? What were his needs? Why did he have to spend all night praying? He was a man. And so he, being a man, the Bible says he humbled himself and he was praying. He was showing us what a real man should be. How a real man should live on the earth. So he prayed constantly. Notice his disciples were not praying. He didn't mind them. He was doing because he knew what he was doing. No wonder he had so much happening in his life. We need to pray. We ought to pray. He made that parable, teaching them to pray. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. When I was a new Christian, I will, my thinking was, can, is it possible to delete that from the scripture? Because I don't know how I can pray without ceasing. This is tough. But have you been in a situation where you are so burdened by the trouble, even in your sleep, you are still praying? How many find yourself doing that? Yes, I've done that many times. When the trouble is so much, and I'm thinking, even while I'm sleeping, in my heart, I'm still crying out to God, God, I need your help. And I wake up, you know, you're looking for a place. You know what I believe is happening? When you are praying that way, even when you go to sleep, the Holy Ghost takes over. That's why you keep thinking and dreaming, praying, asking for God. He takes over. If you don't have an attitude to pray, then how is God going to do that? You are not in practice, amen? So he knows not to bother you. You haven't exercised any bit. What makes you think you, are, you can go for a marathon? We have to pray. You pray, he takes over. And God begins to do a work in us. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I used to think giving thanks is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. No, he's saying to rejoice always. Read it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
Give thanks in everything. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, God wants you to always be joyful. That's why Jesus said, Ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. Because even if, if you tell yourself, no, I don't need anything, you are lying. You're lying to yourself. You know you're lying. When God says your joy cannot be full until he answers your prayer, who are you to say your joy is full without the prayer being answered? You're deceiving yourself. Jesus said, ask in prayer. That's the only way to receive from God. Promotion comes from him and him alone. And you are a Christian and you haven't developed that time you haven't developed your prayer life. You have no prayer life. You don't pray. You are running, running from pillar to post looking for somebody who's going to help you. You are trusting in the strength of flesh and not trusting in God. And God knows he can do business with you. So he's saying when you pray, when you pray, because prayer brings so much power into your life, there is no need to be like the hypocrites. Don't pray because you want people to see you. You are doing transaction business with God and he will reward you. Every time Jesus says this, he says, do this in secret. You can't do it in secret because people will know. Your children will know that you're praying. Your wife will know. Your husband will know. The church will eventually know. Somebody's going to be saying something about it. But that's not the issue here. In your heart, that's not your business. What you want is time between you and your father and the reward that comes from your prayer. And if you set your heart that way, you can never miss your reward. God will reward you. He will reward you. So we pray without ceasing. We ask God in prayer. And He will answer. The question, you know, we have to understand this. Why would God ask you to pray if He's not willing to answer your prayer? Why would He ask you to pray? He wants to answer. We give him the opportunity through prayer. That's why Jesus said, pray this way. And that's what we're going to next. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That in heaven, people are not sick over there. People don't get broke in heaven. They have no bills to pay that they can pay. So, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you're saying, God, I'm giving you the legal right to come into our realm where we live and make it heaven on earth. That's what you're saying. But until somebody on the earth is doing that, it's never, it will never be done. It will never be done. Somebody on earth that is alive, flesh and blood, crying out to God, bring heaven to the earth. Then God, Jesus said it will be done. That's what Jesus meant. He said, if two of you shall agree concerning anything on the earth, you are standing here. The trouble most of, most of the time, we are not in agreement. You know? If you can find two people, that's why a couple is a real powerful, powerful weapon against the enemy. When you have a couple that are not fighting, they are together in, in what they want from God. If they really believe the scriptures, heaven is the limit. I mean, sky. God is just going to pour down on that family because they are in agreement. If two shall agree concerning anything that they shall ask on the earth, if they agree, Jesus said, if they ask, it shall be given to them. God is going to give it to them. 
Many times we read that scripture and we say, how nice. <laughs> God didn't give the scripture so you can say, how nice. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Do what Jesus said. On the earth as we pray, God will do that for us. So, what our prayer must consist is this. First, we must worship God in our prayer. Our Father, we shout in heaven, acknowledge that God is in heaven, and then you worship Him. Secondly, we must pray for His kingdom. We must pray for our personal needs. We must pray for forgiveness if there is a need to ask for forgiveness and to offer forgiveness if there is the need to offer forgiveness so that you can receive your reward from God. You must pray to be led in the path of right, paths of righteousness. You know, David said in Psalm 23, you know, you lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So you pray for that. God, lead me. Deliver me from evil. Pray. We'll, come in, we'll deal with this uh, next time. And then you must praise the Lord as you close every time that you pray. Many times I used to think, okay, I'm going to put them, you know, I'm going to first worship the Lord first and I'm going to do this. <laughs> That's stupid. You, do you want to go to your father and you're going to have a relationship with him and you have this notebook in your hand? Okay, well, you read it and then you go to him and say, okay, God, my father, this is the way. And then you rattle off with one stuff and then you go, so, okay, let me go to the second one. Now that's not a relationship, right? It doesn't matter what order you put this, okay? You just have to do them according to the way Jesus recommended for us to do. But the key is to receive the reward. You don't have to pray long as long as you get the reward. Somebody can pray three hours a day, get no reward. But you can pray for ten minutes and you, can receive, and you receive the reward. If you ask me who I want to call to pray with me, I will call the one that's praying for ten minutes and getting the results. All of that three hours stuff don't make any difference to me when you're getting nothing. So we want to do what is right before God. Would you stand up with me this morning and make a commitment to God that you're going to be spending time praying. Some of us, we don't have a prayer life. You haven't learned to pray before God. To be still and know that He is God. That's the key. You need to have a prayer life as a Christian. You have to have it. You have to have this. God will not reveal Himself in very powerful ways to you until you do that. In uh, 1988, possibly throughout that whole year, probably before, probably 87, I made sure I prayed every day for at least an hour. I developed the habit because I knew once it was daylight, uh, friends would come to me and I have other things to do. So I wake up early. You don't have to do that. You'll find your own time. But that one year transformed my life. I saw so many demons cast out of people. I saw people healed. I wasn't a minister. I was just a church member. But people were coming from outside my town to, to my home.
to ask for prayer and help. Sometimes ministers will bring people to me. Ministers, evangelists, pastors will bring people to me, just a church member, to pray for them. And God will give results. Free them from demons. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. You, you don't have to be a pastor. God can do that in your life. If you're determined. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You want to thirst for God today? How many want to thirst for God? Why don't you all come up here? Come up here before the Lord. Make a commitment to Him today. I want you to make a commitment. You can't do it yourself, but He can do it for you. Young people, you know, you have a, a long time ahead of you. I want God to make you great. Amen? It starts on our knees, okay? That doesn't mean you have to kneel every time you pray. Most time I don't kneel these days because if I kneel, I know what's going to happen. When I'm quiet, I will go into deep meditation. It's, re it's really spiritual. So I don't kneel, I walk around. And if I kneel a few minutes, I then I get up again and walk around. Jesus said, when you stand praying, many of us don't know that, when you stand praying, or when you kneel praying, Jesus said, when you stand praying. So it doesn't matter what posture you, are, you, are, you take, God will hear. Just obtain. But make a commitment to Him today. Amen? If you need to give your life totally to Him, tell Him, God, I'm giving everything to you. I cannot do this myself. I need your help. And God, I need you to help me. Help me with my life. Help me to find that time. Even if it's 10 minutes. Start with 5. Go to 10. Go to th uh, 15. Go to 30. It becomes a part of you. You don't even have to talk about it. It's just some part of your life. Amen? That's what we want to do. Believe me, you will enjoy it. You will really enjoy it. The peace is incredible. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord today and thank Him. And make a commitment to Him. God, I am willing. I will make time to pray for my pastor. Amen. <laughs> you will pray for your brother. Pray for our pastors. Pray for your children. Pray for the nation. Pray for the world. Those that are without. What they will have to deal with without Christ. God, I will take my time to pray. Commit to God today and let's see great God do great work among us. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, O oh God. I want you to talk to him on your own. Talk to him on your own. Let him know how much you love him and how much you desire that your place at his table, your seat is not empty. He finds you there every time. He, he knows when to accept you. I, I mean to expect you. When he hears your voice, he says, Is that the voice of my son? You've come again for fellowship. He enjoys. He waits for it. That's the way it should be. Father, we thank you. We love you so much. We know that we can't do anything without your spirit. But he's our helper. And you've sent him, the Holy Ghost, to help us. To draw closer to you. As he's reading 
and your word draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you I will speak these uh, words of blessing over you and we can leave his presence here in the sanctuary but his presence goes with you the Lord make his face to shine upon you the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord be gracious to you May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.